taught this morning for just a little while about discipleship and the importance of discipleship. I love discipleship, and I love to see people grow and mature in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I enjoy so much, as I told uh, Joey and Margie this morning as they were sitting in my office, I love to disciple couples um, who are going through the waters of baptism, and I love to disciple couples who are headed toward the altar of marriage. I love to see people get off to a good start and to know that uh, God is in their midst. And I love to see discipleship, uh, no matter how it is done here in our church, I love to see discipleship through small groups, through Sunday school, through D-Life, through um, any means and measure that we have. So this morning we want to talk for just a few minutes because this afternoon we have a special opportunity. Um, Dr. Bill Wilkes uh, will be here with us. Dr. Uh, Bill, uh, he wouldn't want me to call him doctor, but um, he earned it, so I am. Uh, but he will be here this afternoon from 4 to 7, and our evening activity will center around discovering more about discipleship. If you are a part of a, an existing D-Life group, you be here. There will be some changes um, and there'll be some things that you need to know about. If you are not a part of a D-Life group yet, you need to be here um, to find out more about discipleship. Um, and we will have a meal in the midst of that. From 4 to 7, there will be a meal. I encourage every single one of you to come. Some of you have opportunities in schools or in your workplace or, or wherever you are. Our task is to take the gospel to the marketplace and to take the gospel outside of the church and to multiply disciples. And that's what we are called to do, and that's what we want to do and talk about here this morning. What is your purpose in life? Have you discovered your purpose in life? Mark Twain said the two greatest days of your life are the day that you're born, and the second is the day that you discover why you were born. Those are the two most important days of your life. There have been, if you go to a bookstore or you get on Amazon or Kindle or, and you put in, you put in uh, self-help um, purpose and you find, try to find resources to find your purpose in life, there will be hundreds of books and hundreds of audio tapes and hundreds of things available, well, probably thousands of those things available to tell you how to find your purpose in life. I can remember being in my 20s and thinking about um, where I was in life and how other people, that I was the same age uh, as those people, they had outpaced me, they had gone on further than I had, and I was struggling to find my purpose in life. I was drifting, I was, I was aimless, and it was not until I found my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that he began to open my eyes and reveal to me my purpose in life. Uh, according to Jesus, there's one main thing that we are created for as Christians and one main thing that we are to do, and it's defined by two words, make disciples. Our task as believers and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ is to make disciples. And to spend our life doing that. 
Do you realize that if you were here this weekend and you were a part of selling barbecue or pulling pork or, or making sandwiches, you were working toward making disciples in a foreign land somewhere. You were putting effort forward that will bear fruit somewhere as we found out from our most recent trip to Nicaragua, as, as the group came back and gave testimony, they witnessed 80 to 100 people come to the Lord Jesus Christ in one setting there while they were uh, doing ministry there. So as we are working, as we are uh, moving forward and doing things, we are working to make disciples. Everything that we are involved here in here at Piedmont First Baptist should be to come to the great end of knowing that we are making new disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has called us to live this disciple-making life. And living this disciple-making life, or D-life as we call it, means that we have a lifestyle of discipleship. Now, this is a struggle for some Christians. It's a struggle for some people to think that they should be making disciples. Eric Geiger, uh, an author for, at Lifeway, puts it this way. We have a cosmic destiny to see Jesus held as king across the whole world. By his design, we are not called simply to be image bearers, but to replicate other image bearers. We are not simply called to be his disciples, but also to make disciples. It is our call and our commission to make disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we are working toward what we're doing. Now there is a common misconception about discipleship, and we need a process of multiplication for discipleship. All through Scripture, all throughout Scripture, we see God's great plan for multiplication defined for us in the Scriptures. If you have your scriptures open, turn to Genesis chapter 1. And we will see that even in the very beginning of creation, God had a plan for multiplication. Find, verses, find verse number 26 and read along with me. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let, he, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We see early on that God had a great plan from the very beginning for multiplication of the earth. Now, Adam is told to do two primary things. He's told to multiply the earth, and he's told to subdue the earth and rule over the earth, have dominion over the earth. Those are the two primary things that God told him to do. And these two primary things were for the glory of God. Adam was given this task to multiply and fill the earth for the glory of God. He was 
to he was created in the image of God. He was created in God's likeness. And his command was to take that image and to multiply it and to fill the earth with other people who also bore the image of God. Now, seems simple enough for Adam to have this task. But Adam's poor leadership caused the fall of mankind in one generation. And because of this, he failed at what God had told him initially to do. We have the greatest responsibility of not, of not failing the generations who follow us. Adam was not aggressive in his sinning. He was passive. He was passive in, in, in allowing what happened to happen. He, he wasn't aggressive in doing what God told him to do. And as a result, by the next generation, we see murder on, on the scene. And by the time of Noah, we see great sin fill the earth so that God has to destroy what he originally intended to bear his image for the glory of God. And what does that mean for us here today? It simply means this. We have an obligation to the Lord Jesus Christ not to fail the generations that are following us. My generation is said to be comprised of 35% of people who are evangelical, Bible-believing Christians. 35% is what we are said to be. Now, take a couple of generations removed from me, and there's a generation now that my youngest son is, uh, is at the oldest age of. It's called the, we call it two different things. We call it the Z generation, or we call it the I generation for iPad, iPhone, iMac, all those, the iTouch, all those things. It's two different names that, that soci, uh, sociologists or, or, or researchers call them. Now, my generation is said to be 35% Bible-believing evangelical Christians. What we're being told through research through the Barna Group and Lifeway research is that the generation that my son is a part of, by the time they are my age or are, are, are in their 30s and 40s, they will be 4% evangelical, Bible-believing Christian. Believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as being the only way to heaven. That is astonishing. Amen? It's really astonishing. So, we have an obligation to the generations that follow us to teach discipleship. To teach people how to go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to go and to lead other people to Christ and disciple those people and teach them that the most important thing is for them to then go and disciple and lead other people to Jesus Christ. It's called multiplication. And that's what has to be first and foremost on our minds is to understand that a couple, we are a generation and a half away from churches the size of ours being empty on Sunday morning with no one here to fill the pews. Even in the buckle of the Bible Belt that we live in, I read a report just this week 
from Tom Rainer about how the Bible Belt is, is probably at a faster clip than the rest of the nation becoming less Christian now than it was the generation before us. So it is our obligation, it is our responsibility, and it is a command of Jesus Christ for us to go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. This idea of multiplication didn't end there. Turn to Genesis chapter 12. Generations after the fall, God would recommission mankind by calling another leader to take up the calling to fill the earth with worshipers of the true God. This time, however, God makes it clear that He will not only give the calling, but He will bring it to pass. Read verses 1 through 3 with me and see one of the greatest stories of obedience in all the Bible. Genesis 12, beginning in verse number 1, says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed, meaning that Jesus Christ would be a descendant of this family that God is creating here at this point in time. God says to Abram, if you are obedient, you will go and you will be the father of a great nation and you will multiply to the point that the stars in the sky and the sands of the earth couldn't be, you will outnumber those. And as we know, Abram was obedient to God and as a result, God changed his name to Abraham and Abraham is the father of the great nation, the Hebrew children of Israel, that we read about all through the Old Testament. Abraham was obedient, unlike Adam, who by the next generation, things had fallen apart. Abraham is obedient, and unto this day, a nation still stands because of his obedience. And because of his obedience, Jesus Christ was from this lineage, and Jesus Christ has blessed the whole earth. That's where you can say amen. Jesus has been the blessing through this. He is to obey, Abram is to obey the mandate to fill the whole world with the knowledge of the glory of God. He is obedient and the father of a great nation. All the world is blessed through by the birth of Jesus Christ. Now look at Jesus' example in Mark chapter 3. Verse 13 through 15, Jesus continues this idea of multiplication. A few verses before, we see that a great crowd had followed Jesus. Jesus had withdrawn to a, to a quiet place. He went up on a mountain, begin with me in verse number 13, and He went up on the mountain and called to Him those whom He desired. And they came to Him, and He appointed twelve whom He also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach, and have authority to cast out demons. Jesus here shows us that the idea of multiplication that God gave to Adam, God gave to Abraham, that it was still God's idea for reaching the world through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus began his personal journey of making discipleship, of making disciples. 
and of modeling a lifestyle of discipleship. Here's the main thought that we want to convey this morning. Living a discipleship life or living a D-life is not a program. It's a lifestyle. God called Adam and Abraham. Jesus called the 12 disciples to be living a lifestyle of discipleship. God calls us here today to live our lives everywhere we are outside the four walls of this church to live our lives in such a way that we are making disciples and multiplying people for the gospel of Je- with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not your supreme... That de- discipleship is your supreme purpose in life. In verse number 13, He called to Him those He, de- he desired and they came to Him. Making disciples is Christ-like. It is following the example of Jesus Christ that he gave here in the book of Mark to call people to him and to teach them the gospel and to send them out to do likewise. Making disciples is also commanded of us. Matthew 4, 19, Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee says to those men in the boats, Follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. Jesus' last words to his disciples um, there in Matthew chapter 28, verses um, 18 through 20, are these. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the Great Commission, not a great suggestion. It is what we are called to do and to be about. Disciple life has a simple plan to follow. In verse number 14, of Mark chapter 3. He appointed twelve that, to be with him that he might send them out to preach. We are called to share the gospel, to lead other people to Jesus, and then teach them how to go and do the same thing. Jesus poured his life into his discipleship group of twelve men. In his group, we, in D-Life, we refer to a discipleship group as a D-group. And here's what happens in our D groups. First of all, there's fellowship. We have fellowship together. In my group, we sit around the table on Tuesday mornings and we talk about our lives with each other. We know about what's going on in each other's families. We know the problems that we have and we share those things. We fellowship together. We talk and we encourage each other there through that fellowship. There's teaching that goes on. We take the scriptures that are given to us and we teach each other. We, we look through it. We have, let me tell you, we have some vigorous debates in my discipleship group some mornings. It's a lot of fun sometimes because we don't always agree, but we work to see an understanding of knowing that the main thing is that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and that He died for our sins, and that's what's most important. We pray for each other. 
We pray for each other and we pray for the many people in our church and our community who need prayer every week. We do ministry. My discipleship group did a ministry project a few weeks ago and it was wise of them. They waited until they knew that I was going to a seminary class to do their ministry project because it involved building a ramp for somebody and I would have been in the way. So... They did that project together. Some of our ladies have done ministry projects at the nursing home. Um, some, uh, this past week, uh, the, the D-Life group that Brandy um, is, Brandy and maybe Brittany, are you in that same? They, did, they fed a, a group here at the church. Um, over and over, I see our D-Life groups doing things and ministering and using their gifts and abilities and their talents to help other people. Um, we helped a family at Christmas last year through our D-Life group. We've done many things like that. And then we talk about multiplication. We talk about how at some point it is critical for someone to leave our group and go and start a new group with new people and try to bring people in to lead them to Jesus Christ. Reeves a part of a D-Life group that Mickey Kerr started. Mickey left that group, started a new group, and as a result, Michelle Thacker's whole family came to the Lord Jesus Christ. Michelle came first, and then others in her family, many people in her family came to know the Lord Jesus Christ because Mickey left a group, started a new group, felt compelled to invite Michelle to that group, and as a result, people were won to Jesus Christ. That's what's supposed to happen. That's what's supposed to happen. And then there's accountability. If I'm not there, my, somebody in my group calls me and wants to know where I am and wants to hold me accountable. D-Life has the spiritual power to transform lives. Jesus gave these men authority to go and cast out demons, to preach and to cast out demons. How can I live out my supreme purpose in life? First of all, believe that you can live a life of making disciples. I believe that everyone here is equipped to go and make disciples. I believe that everyone here who has the, the, the Holy Spirit has become a part of your life through your salvation and is guiding you He's trying his best to guide you, to teach you to, that your, your purpose in life is to go and make disciples for Jesus Christ. And everyone here, regardless of your age, you have the responsibility to go and to make disciples, leading other people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that everyone here can be equipped and empowered for a life of disciples. So, that's the introduction to what we'll be talking about here this evening. Bill will come this evening at 4 and he will expand and expound on what I preached about here this morning. And he will go into the details about how we can go about... I've preached my conviction this morning. He will give us constructs this afternoon to show us how to go and do it. And I want to encourage each and every one of you to be here, to hear him, 
and to see how you can learn more and grow more in making disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it is our main purpose in life, if we're a believer, is to go and share the gospel. I want to close this way. We made it a priority. When I came here, I made it a priority for us to pray for God to send us souls. For God to send souls our way that we could lead to the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of your prayers and because of your giving and because of your going, God blessed us tremendously with a large amount of souls that have been won to the Lord Jesus Christ. A couple of months ago, I challenged you to begin praying for us to be able to take those people and to disciple those people correctly so that they will be able to go and to lead others to the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that through D-Life groups and through the growth track that we're doing now, God has given us the structures that we need to accomplish that mission of discipling those people and in another season of seeing another large amount of people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And today I want you to pray about how you can be a part of discipling others. Whether it's through teaching Sunday school, leading a D-Life group, or however God is laying it on your heart, I'm asking you to pray See how God can use you. Maybe you're here this morning and you've heard this talk about being a disciple and being, and, and you think, wow, that's something huge and something that other people are called. No. God has called you through His Son, Jesus Christ, to know Him in a relationship. Jesus Christ came to this earth through a virgin birth, lived a sinless life, he went to a cross at a place called Calvary. He died the most horrible death that anyone could die. There's no doubting that he was dead when they removed him from the cross. He was buried in a tomb for three days. And at the end of those three days, through the power of God Almighty, he was raised and over 500 people given account of having seen Him after His resurrection. That Jesus ascended and went to heaven and this morning is inviting you here into a relationship with Him if you don't have that relationship. You will know more and understand more about what I'm talking about and I will be right here if that is you I want you to come and find me at the end, uh, during this invitation time as Micah comes and begins to lead us. I want you to be come, come and, and talk to me and I'll share with you through Scripture how to know that you have life eternal through Jesus Christ. Maybe you have made that step. Maybe you've made that decision. You know that for certain. Maybe you want to follow in believer's baptism like two did here this morning. Maybe you know that you have seen the ministries, you've witnessed the ministries of this church, and you know that you want to be a part of a church that is doing everything it can to reach its community and to reach the world. Come and talk to me about membership this morning. Whatever it is God has laid on your heart, use this time to pray or to worship whatever you need to do.
Let's stand and pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Thank you for everything that you do for us. How you love us, how you take care of us, and how you give us with clear-cut words, you tell us our purpose in life. We could read every book in a bookstore about knowing our purpose, but you tell it to us clearly when you say that we are to go and be fishers of men and we are to go and lead others to Jesus Christ. Father, help us to do that and help us to show the love of Christ to our community in as many ways as possible. In Jesus' name.